This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends. And yes, again, it's Rise with Renette Myberg on 7 to 9 a.m. And yes, we have got an incredibly harrowing story with Rusty Labaskachny this afternoon. And we are so privileged to have you. I'm so excited for this um, interview. So welcome. And Rusty's got a very interesting story um, and quite a prolific experience that I think few of us want to ever go through. And he, he was... a. Um, uh, in Zimbabwe, in prison uh, for 10 years. But I don't want to actually say any further because I think you have to listen to this. It's going to be nail-biting. So stay tuned with us. And thank you, Rusty, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Renette. I'm really excited. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to listen to a beautiful track right now. And uh, then we'll catch up with him straight after this. Rise with Renette Myberg, Finding God's truth for the way forward together. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you for staying with us um, on this day before nearly Christmas. I mean, can you believe it? This year has just flown by, and we are just so privileged to have Rasi Labiskakhni in the studio with us this afternoon. He's from Beating Chains PTY, and he has been the founder of it, but boy, has he got a, a testimony that I think very few of us want to really ever have to go through. So, Rusty, you, I didn't want to start out with telling us exactly what happened to you, but um, you have got a testimony that is so remarkable, and you're a motivational speaker, so you go around the country sharing your story, um, and which is, I think, very encouraging, you know, going from this terrible experience to living in victory and having God really take you through some tremendous stuff. So please just share with us what you have been through in the last couple of years. Thank you, Renette, and thanks so much for having me. My ancestors were part of the French Huguenot, mm. who due to religious persecution fled France and settled in the Cape between 1688 and 1691. Then in 1913, my great-grandfather trekked from Daar in the Northern Cape all the way to a little place called West Nicholson in southern Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. Yes. And that's where my life started, from humble beginnings as a fourth-generation Zimbabwean in a cattle ranching background. I was sent to a cruel boarding school at six years old, 200 k's away from my home. Um, I lost my dad at 12, which turned our lives upside down. And when I left school, I went into the safari business. And uh, soon figured out that I could make as much money as these guys work, that I worked for and uh, soon had my own business. And by the year 2000, I was flying my own aircraft. I had 54 guys working for me, making plenty of money, five safari camps. Um, I had a fishing resort on Lake Kariba. And that's where everything went wrong. Um, I was on a – it was in December 2000. And I uh, went on a fishing trip with friends of mine to my fishing resort. And late one afternoon, one of my mates and I decided to go tiger fishing on the lake, leaving the other guys bream fishing in the river. And on our way back, we spotted two fish poachers in a steel boat, who immediately upon seeing us started paddling hastily for the shore in an effort to get away from us. And knowing they were notorious poachers, 
I drove my boat towards them to scare them off, and the wake of my boat tilted their boat, causing them to jump out into the water, which mm. was about one and a half meters deep, and they were about three meters from the shore. I soon scrambled to dry land. My friend and I then watched as they ran away into the bush and thought nothing more of it. The following day, the police arrived with one of the poachers and accused us of drowning the other one. To cut a long story short, I was framed by the poacher, the police and the courts in an ugly, politically influenced conspiracy. Yes. And on the 3rd of April 2003, without a body, against police evidence and on presumptions, I was convicted of drowning that poacher and sentenced to 15 years in Zimbabwe's prisons, of which five were removed as remission. Unbelievably, my co-accused only got a $10 fine and was set free because he was not driving the boat. And that's exactly as it was stated in the judgment. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, I mean, the shock was inexpressible. I, can, I yeah, cannot I was, imagine uh, what you were going through. I was innocent. I was a successful self-made businessman with a high standing in the community. But, uh, and you can only imagine what was going through my mind at that time. But what I didn't know then, Renette, was from that moment on, my life would never be the same again. Yes. The cells were 13 meters long by three meters wide. We were 79 guys in there. Each person had 33 centimeters, 13 inches, marked out on the walls in chalk. That was your space. Can you we imagine? were packed like sardines on our sides with legs all crossing over in the middle. And we all faced the same direction. When you turned over, it was Everybody all together. Had to turn. As cushioning against the cold concrete floor, you'd fold two of your paper-thin, worn-out, last-written blankets several times to fit your space, then covered yourself with a third one. There's no furniture whatsoever in any prison. There's no beds, tables, chairs, cupboards, nothing. Not even a mirror. I didn't see my face for the first eight years. It's just rows that of... is incredible. Rows of fully folded blankets and hundreds of well-used water bottles on bare concrete floors. Um, and then the lice. The lice were unimaginable. Thousands of them that never went away. And they would bite you day and night, leaving itchy, weeping blisters. And of all the hardships, that for me was the toughest. Because it just drained you day and night, year after draining year. It's like a dripping I mean, tap, eh? Yeah, it never stopped. And, uh, yeah, it just it drives you crazy. Eh? <laughs> and then we had no basins or taps in the cells, and only one set of clothing was allowed at any one time. A standard white short-sleeve shirt and a pair of drawstring white shorts. Underwear was, was forbidden. After six months, you got a change of clothing. So we had to wash our clothes in the cell toilets at night wearing a blanket, then hang them on the walls with smuggled book staples to dry by the next morning. And then uh, in 2005, during the Zimdola crash, Harare City ran out of water. For three years, while in Chikurubi Maximum Security Prison, each prisoner was allocated only one plastic cup of water a day. One cup of dirty orange city runoff water from a nearby dam carried by farm prisoners. That was to drink, clean your teeth, wash your face, bath, everything for three years. Cannot complain. And that's when guys really started dying. It was horrific. Um, during my first six years, Renette, I watched over 2,200 guys die in prison. It was primarily from malnutrition and, and, uh, and, and disease. Yes. It was during the Zimdola crash when there was no food outside of prison, never mind in there. Um, the one weekend out of, um, during the 
I was moved to a medium security prison. And out of 1,200 of us prisoners during the cholera outbreak of 2008 and 2009, yes, I remember that. 432 guys died in eight months, more than one third of us. And that, Renette, triggered something inside me about my health. Mm-hmm. And I want to challenge everyone listening to do a rain check on their health. Because once your health is gone, everything else in your life will have no meaning whatsoever. Yes. One of the big and that is obviously your mental health, your well-being, your soul, your physical. Everything. Everything. Yeah, so everything. So what, what, what did you do? What was the process after that? When Aaron, you came to terms with that? Aaron, it's the biggest... Uh, <clears throat> the biggest takeaways that I got from prison was how God worked in my life and that I never knew. And I'll share with you the first encounter I had mm. and uh, with the Lord and then one in prison. And then forgiveness was massive. Um, gratitude and hope. And gratitude yes. in that condition. Yes. In and, those conditions. And appreciating freedom. Mm. It was also very, very big. So um, tell me, what was the what was the process? The you know, apart from the horrific conditions, yeah. you know, what was your personal treatment? What did you receive from you know your gods? And just give us you know, just so we can visualize what you actually went through. I'm um, you know the way you slept and you know the the last yeah. But what was was there any form of freedom? You know, there's no there's no entertainment whatsoever in prison. So there's no radios, TVs. Nothing. And you're locked in cells for 20 hours a day. So during that lock-up time, cramped like you can't believe, the only entertainment you have are these hardcore armed robbers telling you story after story of how to break into cars, how to break into houses, how to poison the dogs, how to where to buy guns, where to sell the merchandise. It's just... and. and, and it's very sad, Renette, but there's a lot of innocent guys in prison. And unfortunately, um, the cruelty, the beatings mm-hmm. by, the, by the, the, the guards was unimaginable, Mon- mostly under the feet. But the guys I've go in the there facts. and uh, the treatment is harsh. And mm-hmm. uh, they leave there hardened, bitter, educated criminals. So we're actually breeding criminals. And they call it the college. And that is one of the reasons um, that I wrote my book, to try and make a difference to another world that nobody knows about. Mm. And it's very real. We are training people to to become criminals, and it's affecting society. Mm. And it happens everywhere. It's it's all over the world. It's not only where I was. Yes, 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 yes. So if you think that uh, the the justice system is... is, uh, is correct. It is corrupt to the core in every country. So, so how was your representation? I mean, what representation did you have uh, from the outside you Ren- know, to try and fight for you? Renette, I, after, after a week, I summoned for my lawyer to come. And I came and I said to him, what rights do I have? He said, Russ, in prison you have no rights. It's, it's a closed world. No one is allowed in there. The first time anyone was ever allowed into a Zimbabwean prison was in 2009 when the death rate was so high 
that uh, they had to come and investigate. Yeah, Red Cross were allowed in there. That's the first time ever. No one was allowed. If they did come, they would all go to one particular hall and the, the prisoners would all get different clothing and then uh, they, there would be no troublemakers in there because there's guys that speak out. Whoever spoke out, they would remove them. So if the minister came in to, to visit... No, no one, it would be perfect. Yeah, it is all fake. All, all fake. No. A front. And, and relationship-wise, I mean, what, what did you find that was... You know, did did you benefit from, you know, the people around you? Like you said, but mostly were hardened criminals. Yeah, Renette, um, there were some good guys in there, make no mistake. Mm. But there are guys in there you never want to see out, out on the street. Mm. There's some hardened, bad people. So they just put everybody into the same All together. Song. They mix them all up. And, oh, the, and the legislation, the, the regulations is you're supposed to separate crimes. Yes, but they don't. They don't, and it, it's almost as if they want to, they want the crime to to escalate. To escalate, yeah, yes, it's unbelievable. Or maybe kill each other, even you know. But that is exactly what you're saying: is the criminal mind just yeah. feeding another criminal yeah. mind? Yeah. So, um, and and then with your innocence, I mean, there must have been something on a daily basis that kept you going. I mean, for six years under these conditions, and then, you know, something in your mind. How did that work? Renette, really a huge part of getting through prison was hope. And to be able to find positives in all the negatives going on around me brought hope. Hope is like the, the anchor of your soul. It, mm. uh, it's what kept me sane and grounded in there. Hope enables you to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Mm. Let Can't your hopes, you. not your troubles, shape your future. Mm. I'll say that again. Let your hopes, not your troubles, shape your future. And never look for hope outside of yourself. To find it, you need to look within. we made in the image of God. And when you look within, you'll find, I mean, if someone, if someone had said to me in year one, you're going home in year three, I would have said never. I'm going home now, now. Like six weeks, maybe eight weeks I could live with. Anything beyond that was too painful. Or if I thought about like my fiancé with another guy, it was too painful. And I'd block all of that out until that peace returned. Mm. And to be able to find happiness in even the smallest things that happen in prison. Like what? Just, uh, just give just us an example. Just fooling around. Just, just fooling around. Just being like kids. With, yes. With just, these, there's a lot of guys that don't like to do that. But mm. there's guys that are jovial in there. Yes. And that seeing and that fool around and tell jokes. And, and you'd, you'd get into that because mm. that made you feel good. Mm. Because those that didn't Died. Life in prison or in Las Vegas, still just, still just life. It's mm. what you make of it, no matter where you are. Exactly. And people need to know that. No and where. sometimes we're in prison within just our own personal lives. Exactly. Exactly. You know, just you know, yeah. and we don't find the joy. Yeah. Or you know, ways to get through to get through things. Um, you know, I'm going to take a break because I don't want us to lose momentum on this because I really want to get on to the whole part now. Okay. So we're going to quickly listen to something uh, beautiful, and um, we will join you straight after this. And um, yes, please stay tuned. Uh, this is so exciting because I've never actually heard of the the inside story of prison life and how you can find joy even in in a situation that you're not even supposed to be in and how do we actually get through those kind of things and I think we personally live a lot of times in that 
place where we actually have so many afflictions and so many things that keep us in a prison of some kind and then we don't know how to we lose our joy and we lose our hope so um, please uh, stay with us and we'll continue chatting to Rusty straight after this Rise with Raynette Myberg, finding God's truth for the way forward together Oh my goodness, what a testimony. We have Rassi Laviskachny in the, in the studio with us this afternoon and he's just giving a synopsis of his life in prison uh, where he was not even meant to be. It was a false accusation, but he spent 10 years in this horrific, harrowing ordeal of living in a prison with how many people in the, in the cell? 79. 79 sausaged into a small cell. Oh, my goodness. But And he still found the joy of the Lord in there. And um, he's going to share that with us. You have to. I just cannot oh. imagine um, where it came from. Yeah. Um, the second encounter I ever had with the Lord was in my seventh year. And uh, when I was moved to a medium security prison, my, my sister was delivering food. So... Um, this prison death rate was so high from malnutrition and disease mm. that prison headquarters started allowing relatives to deliver food to their loved ones daily. And my sister sold her business and gave up her career just to oh. feed me for four years. Can you believe And I'm telling you now, I wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for her. Amen. I'm truly blessed to have in my life. And unfortunately, very few people could financially afford to feed their loved ones daily. Yes. And I helped as many guys as I could afford to, but the hunger continued for most but anyway, while I was delivering food one day, she asked me if I'd like an iPod. So I said to her, what's an iPod? She said, it's a thing that plays music. So I said, well, how big is it? And she indicated the small, flat little thing. So I said, mm. well, how many songs does it play? She said, how oh, about a thousand? I said, no ways. So where do you put all the CDs? That's how much you technology. Said that's how far yeah. back you were. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the following day, the iPod arrived under the salad. <clears throat> and about a week later, uh, one of those cheap Nokia cell phones was sneaked in too. That, uh, it was exciting, risky business that you couldn't dream of in a maximum security prison. This is medium security. It's not the same. And uh, everything was going perfectly until an envious prisoner reported me. After an unexpected search, unbelievably, through some quick maneuvering with on-site guards, mm. nothing was discovered. But I was sent to solitary confinement anyway for two years. Two, two years. years. Yeah. Oh, my word. That was extremely lonely. But after experiencing that precious little link to the outside world, I had to get my phone back. And I did, which made a huge difference. I had guards charging the batteries and just, And everything was going perfectly until 18 months later. And one of the friendly guards approached my spiral at five in the morning and whispered, Russ, they come on for your phone. And there's no way of getting a phone out of there. But someone had brought me a protein powder about a month before, and it was a big process to get it in. Went to security and the doctor and everything. Mm. When I got it in, I'd never seen it before, so I opened it, broke the silver seal, tasted it. And when I put the seal back and closed it, the next time I opened that seal, it stuck. So I kept it to hide my phone. So that morning, I opened it, broke the seal, took half the powder out, wrapped the phone in plastic. I didn't have the iPod, I just, just had mm. the phone. Put the phone in, put the powder back, put the seal. Six o'clock, the guards arrive. So they make you strip naked, and then you all walk out stock naked into the courtyard, 1,200 guys. They do the search. So we come back in after the search, and my cell is upside down, everything everywhere. But my protein powder is still in good shape. Five minutes later, I'm summoned to the security office. They walk in there, and there are four guards standing, one seated behind a desk and an empty chair. 
I hadn't sat in a chair for seven and a half years. Can you believe? He says to me, take a seat. So I sat down. Felt good. <laughs> he <laughs> Can said, you believe that? Just a chair feeling good. Yeah. He said, do you have a girlfriend called Karen? So I said, no. I said, I had one before prison called Karen. He said, okay. When did you last talk to her? I said, long ago, before prison. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah. So he hands me a letter addressed to me from Karen. So now I was talking on the phone the other night. She sounds so positive. <laughs> After some intense questioning, this thought just came to me. And it was like a you know, revelation. Yeah. yeah. And I just said, no, Karen was having lunch in Bulawayo. And she met this lady and started chatting and soon realized that they both had boyfriends in the same prison. So the lady said, let me call my boyfriend who's a guard in there. He can call us. You guys can have a chat. So I used the guard's phone. But after I couldn't tell them what the guard's name was, they didn't buy it. Of course. An hour later, I'm escorted up to the officer in charge's office. And when you go up there, it's big trouble. And they yeah. were waiting, like 15 big brass officers were standing in a half circle, officer in charge behind his big desk, yeah. and my empty chair in the middle. He says, take a seat. So I sat down. He said, if you don't tell me what that guard's name is, your life in this prison is going to change. And him and I got on really well. I said, officer, I don't know his name. So then the question started, how tall was he, how old, what rank, where did you make the call, how long ago did you make the call? And I answered as best I could, and they were getting furious. And then the head of the soccer, he said to me, do you want to talk to the officer in charge on your own? So I said, yes, please. So they all leave, close the door. I said, officer, we've both been through hell. We watched hundreds of guys die. I donated endless stuff to the prison service. Can't we just let the son go? He said, Russ, I don't care about you. I want that God's name now. He was furious. I said, officer, I don't know his name. He said, okay. He calls the officer, says, put him on death row in the dark cell. What? So they escorted me over to the condemned section. He used to hang guys in those days. And there were 56 cells, 52 had guys waiting to be hung, and there were four empty. One is the dark cell. They put guys in there to punish them. So the cells were three meters long by one meter wide by three meters tall. Same as my solitary, exactly the same cell. But only a vent. Same as my solitary. But the vent in the dark cell was covered by a staircase, and they turned the light off. It was pitch black. They made me strip naked, gave me three filthy worn-out lacerated blankets, a five-liter container cut off at the top as a toilet, same as solitary, and a liter of water. They locked me in there for 23 hours and 45 minutes a day. So I was allowed out five minutes in the morning to clean my teeth, five minutes at 10 o'clock to have a shower, five minutes at 3 o'clock to prepare for lock-up. It was cold, lonely, and dark, like being buried alive, Renette. Desperate on day six, I got on my knees and I prayed. And I'll never forget that feeling of like warm water being poured over me mm. and a total sense of calmness. So I sat on the floor leaning against the wall. Within 30 minutes, I faintly heard my Afrikaans mate shouting from the soccer ground, Hey, Ras, everything's okay, my mate. Don't worry. Everything's okay. So I jumped up. I said, hey, Phil, don't worry, Ras. Everything's okay. So I thought, okay. Lay down on the concrete, looking up in the darkness. Within 10 minutes, I unlocked my door. God, oh, that noise. Those locks goes right through. Yes, yes. Chucked in my clothes. Said, the officer in charge wants to see you. So I go out into the blinding sun across the courtyard, up the stairs to his office. And his exact words, Renette, he said, hello, Russ. I said, hello, officer. He said, have you remembered the guy's name yet? Oh, I said, no, officer. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it in God's hands. You can go back to your cell. And at the exact moment when I was praying... My sister was paying him $200 to get me out of there. And that was a huge turning point in my spiritual walk. And I'm just so happy to tell you that, that Jesus plays a massive role in my, in my life. He's everything in my life. And every day, 
it's all about him. And, and yeah, so that that was a. Uh, and 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 tell me, okay, and then and then when you had that, so how long were you in that? Uh, oh, that dark room. Six days. Six days. Yeah. And then he let you out. Yeah. But then you had to go back to sol- solitary. Or no. No, you went. Back no, to no, I went back to solitary. You went back to solitary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was. And for how many? Well, you solitary said, is fine after that. <laughs> wow. Can you? I mean. Please, now the dark Please, you please tell me now. How yeah. do you find the next worst thing in your life as fine? I mean, this yeah. is great. Yeah. I mean, that can only be God. Yeah. I mean, Rassi, your Rassi, your <clears throat> your absolute positivity throughout all of this. Yeah. I mean, somebody else would have lost their mind. Yeah. So just and and you say and and how did you? I mean, you didn't have Bibles or anything like that. No, so we did. We did, but they. It was horrible, and um, and I will share it. Um, they used to bring Bibles, small ones. Yes. And there was very, very seldom enough toilet paper, and you'd find the Bible being used in the toilets. It yes, was, it was it just was unbelievable. Hard, unbelievable. I won't even go into you know, the toilets never flushed because there was no water. Yes. So they would just pile up mm. with this mess. Filled mm. with Bible pages, and it was. There was, was a, a, but you know, it, it was. Yeah, it touched your soul. It just, it really hurt, you know. And uh, yeah, but, but Renette, the uh, forgiveness was massive for me. Yes, and yes. Uh, you know, I, d- I would like us to rather touch that onto the next sub- uh, in the next session because okay. this is pivotal. This is for everybody for yeah. different reasons. Yeah. But I think in this particular situation, yeah, of. Just being imprisoned for for no cause and yeah. spending ten years mm. of your life yeah. in that situation that is not even warranted, you yeah. know. And then you now have to say, okay, ten years of my life is gone. Mm. So I want you to share the the, the next the next okay. step. So we're going to uh, join Rusty straight after our next track um, because this is really important about forgiveness. Because how do you actually? Take a big chunk of your life out and say, "Now what? I have to. I have to still love my enemies." At yeah. the end of the day, so we're going to continue with rest, uh, Rusty afterwards. But I just need to encourage you: please go on our WhatsApp line, zero eight one seven two nine one six five seven, and our Telegram number is zero eight one seven two nine one six five seven, and our SMS line is three seven nine double eight, and that is still at normal um, uh, rates. So our Facebook is also very lively. So please go and join us on our Instagram. Go and like us um, on 729A Cops Council, okay, Pulpit, and go and join us. And our counseling department is 021-917-777-000 and option one. And go and uh, call us if you have any needs or any prayers or any requests that you'd like us to cover you with. Um, please go and contact us on our counseling line. And I'm really encouraged because I know our country has so many, so many siblings and family members in prison. So, Rusty, you've been such an encouragement. So we're going to join you straight after this. Thanks, Renette. Rise with Renette Myberg, finding God's truth for the way forward together. Good afternoon, family and friends. And as you know, we've had a very nail-biting um, testimony from Rusty. I mean, I cannot believe that somebody can go through so much. And I know that many of us have 
um, had experiences where our family members have been in prison um, and, uh, you know, uh, and siblings and that. But there is such a positive, I cannot believe that somebody spent in such harrowing situations and conditions um, came out there living in victory today and with forgiveness. So please, I'm not going to waste any time on this, Rusty. Just share with us what you learned in this time, and what led you to writing a book on your on your um, experience okay. as well, Renette? The humiliation of being labelled a murderer until the conditions were extremely hard to deal with, as was the pain of my bitterness, anger, hatred, frustration, and revenge for what they had done and were doing to me. I hated them bitterly, and initially would lie there for hours wishing every terrible thing on each of them in turn, the poacher, the police, the judge, the ministry, and all who were involved in my conviction. And then one day, I was struck by the realization that they'd all forgotten about me long ago. Here I was, consumed by the unfairness of it all, and they, blissfully unaware of the evil I wished on them every day. In the end, I was only hurting myself. Mm-hmm. I was carrying all that in my head and beating myself up for nothing. The single biggest lesson I learned in prison was true forgiveness. And for me, it was bigger than anything I could have achieved on my own. True forgiveness was inspired by God Almighty. And so was letting go. It was a huge weight off my shoulders, and I learned to live in the moment from then on. You know, the past was too painful, and the future full of unkept promises. So I just dealt with each day as it was. I learned to have faith, because no amount of worrying was going to change what I was going through. And if you have anger or resentment towards anyone in any way, it will eventually destroy you. Because that is what those emotions do. They steal from you. They steal happiness and freedom. And many people ask me how I managed to forgive them for what they did to me. Renette, I remember the exact moment after about a year, walking in that exercise yard, tired of all the anger, hatred and bitterness that was draining me daily. And I remember looking up and I just said, Lord, take care of them. And let me get through this road that's been put in front of me. Mm. What goes around comes around, they'll get what they deserve. And once I'd accepted that, my life in prison changed. And the amazing thing, Renette, it wasn't a gradual process. It was an instant mindset shift. It was like I had the secret that I was keeping for years and years, so scared it was going to get out. And then one day I just told the guys, it was out, it was gone. Forgiveness doesn't change the person that hurt you. Forgiveness changes you. Wow. And, and you can look at it in two ways. You can forgive, forget, and move forward, or you can retain, remember, and regret. The mm. choice is yours. I love that. And if you say, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget, then you still remember and will never move forward. And I don't mean forget the lessons learned by the incident. Just don't revisit them. You mm. can't bounce back from anything unless you forgive those who you believe have done you wrong. And only when you forgive and let go of the past can you be fully free to move forward with your full potential. Mm. Wow. And then, Renette, another huge one for me was gratitude. You know, we all want too much in our lives, concentrating on what we haven't got instead of being grateful for what we have. And for me, giving thanks to God every day goes a long way. For my health, a beautiful home, a lovely wife, a soft bed, running water, and so on. When there's no food, mm. no water, and people are dying all around you, you become grateful for the fact that you're still breathing. And another day is a blessing. Mm. When you lie in a cell 
with 78 other people and your breath is not even your own, gratitude suddenly has a different meaning altogether. Next level. And, and Renette, accepting that what I went through cannot be changed and being grateful for what it taught me has unlocked my vision for my future. Wow. The healthiest of all human emotions is gratitude. Remember that and practice it. Having an attitude of gratitude is one of the most impactful habits for a fulfilling and healthy life. Praise the Lord for that. Wow, I love that. Oh, I'm going to write down some, some of these things that you mentioned earlier on, you know, about that revisiting and, and the regrets that you have, you know, by just holding on to that. You just cannot go forward. Renette, I wish I could express the happy, bubbly, exciting, beautiful feeling I felt when I walked out that prison gates to freedom after 10 years of hell. People don't appreciate freedom. And I've realized that even when we're not in prison, there are ways in which we're in prison ourselves. So our business partnerships, baby selected careers, being obsessed with money and ambition in the corporate world, even unhappy marriages. And it's only when you have your freedom completely taken away do you realize in many ways that you were actually in prison too. Yes. And, and when I look back at it all, Renette, it makes me wish I could... If, if you looking at your life, how free are you within your circumstances? Mm-hmm. Freedom is not just not being in prison. Mm-hmm. Freedom is the ability to make a choice and act on it. Freedom is letting go of what you can't control. Freedom is forgiveness. Freedom is being free from negativity. Mm-hmm. Freedom brings health. If you can be free mm-hmm. in all areas of your life, then you'll reach your full potential. Amen. Amen. I love that. I absolutely. I've got tears in my eyes. Excuse me. But it's just such an incredible encouragement. You know that uh, this is it's, it's just like all in a nutshell. I think myself like, where did you find that in, yeah. after 10 years of hell? I yeah. mean, to actually come out there all blazing with gratitude and thankfulness and just the love of the Lord just pouring out of you, which is incredible. It's been working in my life, Renette. You know, when I left prison, I had nothing. Um, Mm. I'd lost everything. All my businesses went broke. Um, And I was just left with my house. Thank God for that. Mm. And I started working for guys that used to work for me, you know, borrowing vehicles to conduct the forays. And I went from from the top of my game right down to nothing. And uh, it was very humiliating. And I don't know what it was, Renette, but um, I, was at, I was sitting around a campfire telling my story to, to some clients one day. And, and I'd done a talk, about 100 farmers lost their farms, and someone had asked me to do a talk to them and just tell them what I went through and how they can change their lives. And it went down extremely well. I said to him, can I write it? And then I'll just read it. He said, yeah, that's fine. And it was 120 sit-down dinner at the Rari Royal Golf Club, so it was quite a big thing. Mm. And after that, there was a huge response. And there, I was a national rugby player, and uh, the, my national coach came up to me that night, and he said, Russ, you changed my life tonight. And uh, I'll never forget that, Bucky Buchanan. And um, I was telling the client around the campfire on safari, and he said, do you have a copy of that speech? So I said, yeah, so showed him my phone, he went through it. He said, I've got a new life for you, my friend, and I'm going to help you. And he was from South Africa. And he flew me to Joburg and uh, got a team 
together, put a PowerPoint together, and in 2016, I started talking. And, uh, Motivational speaker. Yeah. Yes, that's how. And that's it's, how it yeah, and it's <laughs> really <laughs> taken off. Eh? And then I, I really, I got to know the Lord more after that. You yes. know, because when you get out of prison and you've got nothing, mm. you still battle to understand. You know, God, you help me. I know you're there because on death row I felt it. Mm. But now what? And um, <clears throat> I just couldn't see myself going anywhere. But I knew that 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 life was over. Yes, there was. I had got to the top of that. I had made all the money. I, and you know, before prison, it was all about me, money, my empire, more and more. You know, the big fish and little Willoway are going nowhere, like mm-hmm. a hamster on a wheel. And now, I'm a little fish in a whole wide world, making a huge difference. difference? And, and it's yes. all about helping others and making a difference in other people's lives, not about me anymore. And the satisfaction I get from that far outweighs the millions I was making before. Yes. And the yes. lesson here, Renette, is. No matter what the hardships you're going through in life, just remember you're being prepared for where you're going. Amen. God has a plan Amen. for each and every one yes. of us. Amen. And when I look back on it all, Renette, I see how the Lord supernaturally drew me away from the outdoor safari life that I love so dearly yes, yes. to find my purpose. I never had a purpose before. And, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's taken me from a humble upbringing to great success, you know, flying yes. my aircraft, mixing the world's elite, being, being put through that nightmare and losing everything I'd worked my whole life for. Mm-hmm. But he has prepared me for this calling. And believe yes. it or not, I thank God for my 10 years in prison. I do. You wouldn't be the person Because I'm a better today. person now than I would ever be. Amen. I don't know how to say this, Renette, yes. but I know 100% that God has redeemed me and I'm a better person now than I would ever have been. Amen. I'm stronger. Amen. I know God better. I understand people more. And I believe that it's made me able to reach out to you, to tell you that God is out there. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And don't ever doubt that. Yes. And Renette. And he's a restorer and a redeemer. Wow. Can anyone ever fully recover from a terrible setback in life? Mm. We're looking at someone that did. You're looking at living proof that you can recover from whatever life throws at you. Yes. God will answer your prayers. He'll set your feet back on the ground and he'll give you a beautiful life. Just put your faith in Jesus mm. and walk with him every day. Amen. What yeah. a way to end that interview. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Rusty. You have just thank put you, a leap in my spirit. Um, I just know that anyone listening to this will absolutely start moving and walking in life of gratitude of thankfulness and just focusing on the Lord and just knowing that he is our hope, our redeemer, our restorer. I'm so encouraged by this testimony. Thank you so much. May the Lord continuously use you. Thank and you. And where can they get hold of you? On you, my you web- remote, you, you, you've yeah. got a website. I right? have a website, beatingchains.com, or you can email me, rusty at beatingchains.com. Yes. And I would love to change uh, your team, yes. whether it's in corporates, Men's conferences, churches, prisons, schools, mm. I talk in all of them. All of them. And you know Fantastic. what's amazing, just quickly, is the, the, revival, the revival that's taking place from mm. talking in all big corporates in the last two years is unbelievable. Yes. 
Yes. And everybody is thanking me for bringing Jesus into my talk. And oh, I'm loving it. The Lord. There's praise a movement. The There's a movement. Yeah. And you are moving with it. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord for your life, Rusty. And may the Lord just continuously use you and, and Sandra for mighty things for his kingdom and his glory. And may you go Thank from you. success to success and glory to glory, upwards and forwards from this day onwards. And I really want to bless you, bless the move of God on your life. Thank you. And thank uh, you. family and friends, I just want to thank you for staying with us. I'm sure you were at, at the edge of your seats all the way like I was sitting here. just couldn't believe what I'm listening to. But God, but God, but God. So go out there. Uh, be safe. I know the school holidays are coming up shortly and um, exams and enjoy your holidays and be safe and stick to the rules and enjoy your families and live in love and gratitude and hope. God is in it all with us. Amen. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you, Renette. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.